Welcome to St. John Alive Podcast, uh, where we are sharing stories of faith and bringing discipleship to life here in the Fenton area. I'm joined today by our Director of Music and Liturgy. This is Freeman Tucker. He's hanging out with us today in the studio, and uh, we're just going to talk about mission and uh, how liturgy and music tie into the mission of our church and all that fun stuff. So, Freeman, what were your plans for spring break, and what did you actually do? Well, my plan was to go back and see some college friends in Illinois that I hadn't seen for quite a few years. Um, but I got COVID last week, so I actually spent uh, a lot of the last week in bed, which is fun. Well, Sleeping. not necessarily in bed, just like relaxing around the house instead of going off and seeing people and having fun with people. That's an absolute bummer. It is. Especially after going three years without getting really sick. Getting really sick is like the best way to ruin all of your plans. It is. We frequently do that because there's so many people in our house that get sick on such a regular basis that it's just like we're used to just scrapping everything and starting from scratch. So awesome. Well, we too had spring break plans that got purposefully changed, not unintentionally changed, but you know, we were going to spend a couple of days down in uh, Grand Rapids just hanging out and doing all the fun stuff. And then my wife reminded me that it's not as beautiful this time of year as it will be in like two <laughs> or three weeks. So we might as well hold off. So we didn't do that, but we did do some fun stuff. We I took the kids to the Capitol building and uh, the state historical um, museum. That It's not what it's called, but the thing, the historical thing that's right there by the Capitol. I should probably know the name of it. Like <laughs> you, you, you know, just the, this random historical thing. <laughs> this random historical like thing. It is the, a it's, history it's, museum, it's, a state history museum, but they call it something else. It's the only historical thing in <laughs> downtown Lansing. There's only one. No, and we went to the um, the cathedral, too, and we stopped in, which, you know, like all things that day, it lasted about 10 seconds, and the kids were like, okay, what's next? <laughs> Disrupting <laughs> sounds like prayer. Sounds like my kind of trip. Yeah, pretty much, so... But we did. We ate Chick Fil A, so it was a win. It was a win. I mean, cool. We'll be getting Chick Fil A in Flint soon, so that's true. We are, and uh, the joke. So goes the joke that everyone's about to be really fat and really broke. <laughs> <laughs> so in our family, anyway, we're about to eat a lot of Chick Fil A. So, because right now the closest one is what it's a, it's at least forty minutes. To yeah, get to the closest. I mean, one. depending on whether you go to Okemos or um, Novi. There it is, folks. Your plug for Chick-fil-A. Welcome to St. John Podcast. <laughs> All right, Freeman. So we're talking about the mission of the church, which uh, you know we know uh, and we talk about pretty regularly, uh, is directly related to, uh, to forming disciples. Right? Mm -hmm. That's a key part of our mission. Those, the great commission that Christ gave his apostles um, after his death and resurrection, before his ascension. And so this is something that we participate in regularly, uh, the formation of disciples. This is what this, this podcast is all about, right? Uh, so as the director of music and liturgy, and uh, you take a very active role in our Sunday experience and working with a lot of people around, um, you know, choirs and, and around the liturgy and stuff. So how, in your perspective, in your experience, how does music and liturgy play into that larger mission of forming disciples, um, what are some of the highlights of, of your ministry? So, I mean, the Eucharist is the source and some of our faith. So the liturgy literally revolves around this um, this high point of our lives, what we're literally drawing everybody into, where we receive our strength and then we're sent forth. And at the end of the liturgy, 
to go and um, make disciples of all nations. Um, so as um, in, in, in this role, like we try to make sure that every single part of the liturgy works towards pointing towards Jesus, pointing toward, back towards the source and some of it our faith. No single part should draw away from that. No single part should be in and of itself like the highlight of the experience um, besides the Eucharist itself, which of course is the highlight of the experience. So when we talk about um, the liturgical side of things, so um, different liturgical ministries like um, ushering, um, we're there to make sure that everybody feels welcomed in. That Again, we're trying to um, create an environment where people feel comfortable to be there, to be able to join in this celebration together. Um, for lecturing, we want to make sure that um, we've... I encourage my lectors to make sure that they've gone through the readings beforehand, preferably with Lectio or some other sort of prayer, so that every week it's being almost read as a prayer so that when they're when they're um reading it's not oh here's this piece of scripture that i'm reading it's literally inspired it's the scripture um the inspired word of god and um we're trying to it's literally been handed down to us in the specific readings to be able to for the specific sunday so um when you proclaim the word with um, truth, with um, faith, it's being like it's it's able to enter more deeply. People are able to enter more deeply into that experience. Again, everything should be pointing back towards um, the source and summit, and not to the particular places. Um, so, likewise, with um, Eucharistic ministers, we're there to. Um, bring Jesus to people. Extraordinary ministers of Holy yes, Eucharist. Yes, extraordinary right? ministers of <laughs> Get it Holy right Eucharist. For yes, <laughs> but like we're there, we're there to bring Jesus to people. We're not there. We're not the, ourselves there. Um, and then one of the um, what seems to be, but it's not really um, the biggest parts. But music, um, again, it all is. Um, work together to pull uh, together the readings, the homily, everything that's going on to be able to push back towards Jesus. Um, like every week with uh, when we warm up the choir before the 10 a.m. Mass, um, the prayer that we pray, pray beforehand is that uh, God would lift up, use the music that we sing to lift up um, everybody in heart, mind, and soul towards back towards himself, that it would be an instrument that he can use. Um, and that's what I like to tell, talk to people about um, is being an instrument for God. Like each of us have been given different gifts, talents, treasures, things that we can use and can feel very self-conscious in using um, like you can be really good at something. Um, but even I still like 
there's a certain amount of people pleasing that goes on. And so I'm always really worried about what people think sure. about, uh, and, oh, am I really the, the whole, um, imposter syndrome thing? Oh, am I actually really good at this? Or, um, am I just like faking it till I make it kind of deal? And so, or the, or the ever burning thought, like, am I actually worthy to be doing what I'm doing? Cause I'm yes. engaging something eternal right now. I get that too. Yeah. When, when I'm like, teaching in youth ministry or, or teaching a confirmation class or whatever, I'm like, oh, I'm such a hypocrite. But <laughs> alas, the church was given to us for, you know, healing. <laughs> yeah. And um, like I said, each of us has different gifts. Each of us has different things that we've been given um, by God. Of course, would we, sh we should strive to do our best, but God doesn't necessarily want to... Um, he 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 works with us at um the level of he works better with us when we are able to give of ourselves as an offering not necessarily give of ourselves like oh i have this gift that i can give you but more like god has given me this thing i want to give it back i want to be able to um share this voice with me that he has given. I want to be yeah. able to proclaim these words in front of other people because God has set this desire on my heart. And while it may be very scary to stand up in front of um, 300 people a mass um, saying, say like proclaiming sacred scripture, if Which God is has, really nerve -wracking, it is very nerve wracking. <laughs> like, no matter how many times you've practiced, like it can still be quite a nerve wracking experience. But when you step aside, when you let the Holy Spirit, when you, when you say, come Holy Spirit, take this gift that you have given me, take these talents, take this voice, take this desire, use it for your good. Right. And they can be offered in humility, but with confidence. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because once you step aside, once you take that knowledge that God's going to do whatever he wants to do with what you're doing, it, it's like that takes a whole load of pressure off because you know that no matter what you're going to do, no matter what mistakes you might make, as long as you're offering up it up to God, he can still do something with that. Right. So if we're talking about liturgy, which could open a can of worms and we could literally spend episode after episode after episode just on liturgy alone, which we probably will do. <laughs> That's how we're going to work it in. Um, so I like I have a million questions based on what you just said, but let's pull on that thread of of those who are actively engaging because we're all we're all called to actively engage the liturgy. Right? Yes. Um, but let's pull that thread of, you know, those who are in liturgical ministry and those who maybe seek to be in liturgical ministry um, but are hesitant, right, or are fearful of, you know, not being worthy or not being qualified or, or not being equipped, really. Let's talk about that for a second because one of—I've noticed one of your favorite things to do is to push people outside their comfort zone, and this is kind of what, why you ended up talking about what you're talking about because we're all given these gifts and talents and we're supposed to— um, as scripture tells us, essentially put them, you know, on the lampstand to, to give light to the whole house, uh, rather than putting them under a bushel basket and, um, 
you you have a tendency to kick people's bushel baskets right <laughs> because you you've uh very weird analogy but uh you know uh because you've even pushed me outside my comfort zone so we anyone who's worked with you on any level knows that that's one of your favorite things to do is make people uh go into these areas where they're they're uncomfortable but they are gifted you know so you've you've encouraged me to um to do some of those things musically that like I have a little bit of technical ability in, but not very much. And you're just like, no, let's go, let's do it. You know? Um, and so before I, we got busy with a lot of other things, I used to participate in some of that music ministry, but, um, um, so what is, what is one of your favorite aspects of your role in terms of forming people and pushing them outside their comfort zones? And what are some of those pieces of advice that you offer to people, um, and ways that you would essentially try to convince them to do the things that they don't realize they're good at. Well, it's it always takes a little seed of nudging, sure, of a, a little seed of desire in them, because oh, coming from the person, coming from yeah. the person, because it makes it a whole lot of easier, a whole lot easier when there is that desire to be able to um, start encouraging the growth, mm-hmm. and the growth is one of the biggest biggest things to. To be able to see, um, so for example, youth choir, um, we had a big influx of um, students for youth choir this year. It's going from like the four kids the first year, four to nine kids the first year I was here, up to um, over fifty kids if everybody's showing up. Like that's that's huge. that's that's a big growth in four years, especially seeing as like there was some time in there where we weren't able to meet because of, um, because of COVID. Um, but so back to the example with youth choir. So each kid is, um, given the opportunity as we practice to be able to, uh, take on little solos. So each kid will be a cantor for specific verses of the Psalm, either in school mass or in, um, weekday mass and working with a bigger group is a lot different than working one-on-one with somebody because you're not able to necessarily focus on what makes that one person tick you're you have to be more focused on the group in general um and so like you encourage the the growth you have to remind people hey not everybody is um like we're all growing together. We're not going to laugh at somebody's attempt at something something because they're giving they're giving what they have. Right. Um, Everyone has a different starting place like the um the story of the um uh Jesus analogy in scripture where he's look you know he points out the people who are offering taxes in the temple. Yeah. You know and the and the fact that the the woman offered uh monetarily less than everyone else but spiritually she was offering everything she had right yeah. so that's kind of is that kind of what you're talking about yeah, so in terms of our gifts and talents? each each person like yeah. they're at a different point in their growth sure um some students have been there for quite a few years mm-hmm. um others this was their first year and so we're all trying that's one of the first things that i push especially in a group setting is we're all growing like it's fine what you have to give is what you have to give like we'll work with that yeah um and so as we progress throughout the year, like you start to see more and more kids, like they 
they start getting a little bit more excited and you start to see more and more kids step up to the plate when it comes to um, taking on those solos because that can be pretty nerve wracking. Like your whole right. voice is exposed on like in front of the whole church, in front of the whole church. <laughs> That's the one thing everyone can And do. you've got all these people behind you from the choir watching you. And by this point in the year, all encouraging you on, like as the kids walk back, you could see them giving like high fives to the kids. It's really cute. But like your daughter, for example, Felicity, like she has grown so much in the last year. Like she came in and was just like kind of with her friends, like just Tends singing, to be a but, kid. <laughs> but very like quiet. And she started like wanting to take on those opportunities, those um, solos, and she's done really well at it too. And just being able to see that growth, that growth in confidence, hey, I can do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which you also kind of see when you when I work with um, people on an individual level, like you take that little desire and you start working with with um, people, you start pushing a little bit more gently, sometimes yeah. not so gently in your case. Um, <laughs> it was not a gentle push in my case. <laughs> no, well, it, it's it's like it's where the person is. Right. Some people can take a little bit bigger of a push than other people. Um, And so you meet people with where they're at. Some volunteers that come on, they need very little help in pushing and they're like rare enough to go. Um, Other people, it takes a little bit um, more encouragement. But that's the big thing is encouragement, a reminder, a constant reminder. You've got these gifts you have this desire that's been planted in you and um, that's been given to you by God. And so you're offering up this gift. Um, there's there's a quote that's used a lot that's been attributed to um, St. Augustine. Um, he who prays well prays twice. He who sings well prays twice. And I like to remind people it's not about he who sings the best who sings like with the most technical quality well, yeah, like it's not um it's the one who's singing from their heart yes yeah. it's the one who's giving what they have mm-hmm. as an offering back to god it's not ooh, i've got this gift that i can again like i said earlier it's not this gift that i can give people i'm using this for me right it's i've got this thing it's it's the humility that the the desire to give of yourself as an offering to God. Right. Which is so cool to know that this is what's going on behind the scenes, which is really why I wanted you to talk about this. Um, Because it's really hard to talk about liturgy or Sunday experience without talking about the fact that this isn't an indictment on anybody. I'm guilty of this too. We often walk into the liturgy, you know, looking for something. What am I going to get out of the liturgy? Just specifically hearing you talk about what's going on with youth choir and knowing that the dynamic isn't necessarily about what people are getting out, or even if you're sitting in the pew, just knowing that that's what's going on in the choir loft, that those kids are offering, uh, you know, everything, right? They're, they're pouring their hearts out into the liturgy in that moment. Um, it's really easy to understand that the focus of the liturgy is not necessarily about what am I getting out, but what am I offering? You know, how am yeah. I offering my whole heart to Christ? And we can now know, uh, you know, that, 
when you hear those kids sing, whether it's off key or they're screaming the lyrics because they know it or they're super quiet because they don't know the lyrics, right? We know that that's what's happening up in the loft with those kids. And it's really easy to be gracious with kids because they're cute. Um, especially when your kid is in the youth <laughs> choir, right? You know what, you know, what's happening, you know, they're offering their whole heart. Um, but oftentimes we get caught up in the, the fact that like, or, we get caught up in not realizing that that's what's happening with, with everybody, right? Um, you know, that that's what father is actually doing. He's offering him whole, his whole self in that liturgy because that's literally his vocation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, to bring us the sacraments through, through his ministry, to confect the Eucharist, to, um, to preach the word of God, and to, to open up the scriptures for us uh, through his homily. And just understanding that that's where his heart's at and that's what he's doing is a beautiful thing. And, and the same thing with the ushers and the extraordinary ministers and the altar servers, right? They're all there in a sense, pouring their hearts out. And that's, to me, that's what draws me when I'm sitting in the pew deeper into the liturgy, because it's like, we're all here to kind of pour into this Eucharistic celebration. Um, and it's not always about what I, I get out of it because let's be real. I'm usually sitting in a pew with five kids. And if I'm looking to get something out of it, it's usually uh, a lowering of my level of patience for the day, right? That's usually what I get out of it. Um, but what's more important is what I'm offering to it. So uh, I appreciate that you shared that and that that we can now kind of reflect on that as we dive into um, the, the Sunday experience and we dive into the liturgy when we walk in, we can hear that that's what's going on in the choir. We can have that insight. So I appreciate you taking the time to come and uh, chat with us today and and pour your insight into this conversation. And there will be many more discussions with this guy um, and several other staff members as we kind of filter through here. We will talk about the liturgy a ton. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you listening. And if you haven't checked out last week's episode, uh, it's probably right below wherever you found out found this episode. And don't forget to tune in next week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as always, have a wonderful week.